circles. At the Third Avenue corner was the wide stone block entrance to an NYU dorm, lit up stark orange by sodium vapor floodlamps. Farther down 11th, the sidewalks narrowed and the lighting grew softer. Every five feet, a thin, budding tree cast a spidery shadow, like cataracts, across a brick-faced wall, the walls mostly belonging to pre-war townhouses undergoing reconstruction. No lights on in any windows. It was a minor through street. At that hour, no traffic at all, quaint and peaceful. For a moment, I even forgot where I was, imagining myself back in Syracuse, strolling down a country lane. The impression was furthered by the last stretch of block, taken up by St. Mark's in the Bowery, a late Georgian church of rough-hewn stone and brick, and its adjoining churchyard housing the burial vaults of some of colonial New York's founding families, all surrounded by a spiked, Italianate cast-iron fence. I looked up. The high steeple clock read a quarter to two. Out of habit, I checked it against my wristwatch, and as quickly let my coat sleeve drop back down. I still had on my gold Rolex, my $3,500 perpetual motion, date-day chronometer, gold Rolex. I'd been out of the city too long. The watch was the most expensive piece, the only piece of jewelry that I owned. Upstate, I'd worn it every day, walking through town without inhibition, my shirt sleeves rolled up, the Rolex glinting in the sun. Something was wrong with my sleeve. I looked down. My coat cuff was snagged on the watchband's crown clasp. I wanted to fix it, but first had to switch hands carrying the cereal and jug of milk. Before I could, I heard a zipper zip up ahead. From behind a scaly elm tree eight feet away, a lean figure in black leather jacket and baggy camouflage fatigues stepped out and onto the sidewalk, briefly glanced my way, turned, and started walking in the other direction. Some guy pissing against a car, I thought, and thought nothing of it, just continued walking. Strolling, really, at the leisured pace I'd adopted while away. Nothing close to my usual urban locomotion. Even so, I began to shorten the gap separating us, catching up without trying and certainly without wanting to. I got a sudden uncomfortable feeling that the sharp slap of my footsteps was being listened to, concentrated on, measured. Welcome home, Peyton. But I kept walking. Had to. I couldn't cross the street just there because the cars parked at the curb were packed too closely. And I couldn't stop suddenly because it might have set him off. And I couldn't run the other way either because, well, this was where I lived and worked, and I had to be able to walk around my own block. Right? So I kept walking. Walking. And getting closer. Closer. I couldn't tell how either, whether he was taking baby steps or moonwalking, and as I approached, I wasn't even so sure it was a guy anymore. The black hair, cut in a spiky, androgynous crew, came to a lean point on the nape of the neck, pointing to a tattoo of a flaming blue star in a jagged blue circle. Silver rings in both small, pinched ears, but what did that mean nowadays? Height, five-five. Build, concealed by the baggy clothes. Hands, out of view, held in front. Holding what? Blind larvae hatched in my belly. As my footsteps got closer, the head didn't stir an inch. Weird in itself. The neck muscles just tensed, and the skin on either side stood like dorsal fins. 
I had to pass on either the right or the left. I chose the right. In a pinch, I could have dived over the hood of a parked car. As we came side by side, I kept my eyes straight ahead on 2nd Avenue, half a block away. Cabs, buses, a darkened Mr. Softy truck rolling by, still playing its happy jingle. At the corner was a lighted payphone, the receiver off the hook, swaying by its silver cord. I was keyed up to spring at the slightest movement or sound. From the corner of my eye, I saw a pale face, dark eyebrows, low cheekbones, snub nose, and a cleft chin, like flexed knuckles. I heard the high, uneven whistle of nose breathing, and smelled a heavy, dusky sweetness, patchouli oil, stifling and repellent. Then I was out in front, upwind, walking away, my back wide open to attack. Now my ears were the ones carefully listening to footsteps behind. This time, the slow clomp of loose...